Welcome to Ecoactivist Journeys. Wow, what a crazy last two weeks it has been with COP26 and being here situated in Scotland where all of this has gone down. There's a lot to analyse and discuss with regards to the COP, but most of this episode was actually recorded during the COP and before the conclusion of it. There will be more COP episodes coming your way that specifically analyse the decisions that were taken at COP um, and also take a really critical stance about the effectiveness of these conferences in creating the large-scale change that we need to see in the world. So I don't really want to dive too deeply into that discussion right now, but let's just say, for me personally, the COP26 outcome was not really a surprise. Of course, I was really anxious about it, and I'd really hoped for better, uh, an ambitious turning point outcome, but despite the fact that many see this COP as a failure, I feel strangely hopeful. And it's not just a toxic positivity thing of, oh, it will all be well in the end. But it's because of the people that I met um, during this COP. And because of the movement that we are part of and that we are making history with. I cannot put into words just how powerful it was to be part of the climate strike in Glasgow with hundreds of thousands of people in the streets the whole day marching together, united. It, it was really goosebumps, tears, frustrations, exhaustion, but also this incredible sense of hope. For me personally, it also really highlighted again that the revolutionary changes and societal awakenings are not the ones that are created through the UN, or the current international climate regime and agreements. It is the people on the ground that are creating it. It is the activists. It is people just like you and me. That is really one of the key messages that I would like you to take home from this. Hope is not a passive state. It is an action. It is a decision that we take every day. If we wait for others to save us and our planet, we'll be waiting forever. So we are the ones that have to and that are creating the change every day in our day-to-day -day lives. A little bit of background to my personal experience with COP26. I was not able to get a blue zone badge for COP26, nor was I actually able to get green zone tickets because those sold out really quickly. However, I was able to go to some side events in Glasgow, um, in Edinburgh, also online, but most importantly, the climate justice strike in Glasgow. To be completely honest, the fact that I didn't have a badge was something that I was quite sad about for a while because... The COP really does feel like it's the environmental event that happens and anyone who's done anything significant in the environmental sphere is there. Um, at least that's what it feels like. Um, so for me personally, it felt like a little bit of a failure to be so close, living an hour away from Glasgow and not being able to go. Um, so that's also what I want to talk about this. I, I just The reason I'm being vulnerable about this is because I think there might be and probably are environmentalists and people around the world that really care about the subject area but that maybe would have wanted to go to the COP that couldn't go and that either felt or still feel the same um, way about it to sort of feel disappointed and sad for not being able to go so this episode really is for you um, 
because the COP is really quite an exclusive event and with a pandemic even more so. Even the people that were able to go can give testament to that and it's it's not really all that it seems on the outside. And even with the many people and citizens that are there as observers, it's not as transparent and definitely not as participatory as it sometimes portrays itself to be. Um, so I think that's something important to be aware of. Um, but I also really want to give you insight um, to those people that could go to tell a little bit more about what that experience was like, um, both portraying the ups and the downs. Um, so yeah, let me give you some insights from COP youth delegates that had a blue path to COP. Um, it's a mix of different voices from several countries. Um, and um, I really hope that you enjoy listening to the different voices and experiences that that tell you a little bit more about what the COP experience was like. Um, one of them is the University of St. Andrews delegate and the others um, were at the COP with the International Forestry Student Association, IFSA. So thank you so much um, to them for taking time for the interview. A special shout out to the IFSA people that I met last week. You guys made my week and for sure one of the best things about COP is the hub of environmentalists that it brings together. Um, and I think that's something really exciting um, and really probably really important about the COP, that it brings together people and initiatives that will hopefully carry on into the future to work together on this topic on the ground. And I think that's maybe something um, that is a positive and that all of us should take away from this. We should continue talking about climate change. We should continue connecting and collaborating on these issues to try and find solutions um, and find ways to address this challenge and create the system change on the ground. But yeah, I've talked for long enough, so let's dive into this discussion that I had with the young COP26 delegates about their experience at COP and some of the highs and lows as well as criticisms of it. And let's dive into them. Hi, I'm Aditi Mishra and I'm from India and I am here as an observer from International Forestry Students Association and I'm attending the COP for the two weeks. So how are you finding the process? Oh, it's, it's kind of good, but uh, also a bit overwhelming. Like there are so many events happening around everywhere. There are a number of side events. There are pavilions from different organizations and different countries. And there's so much of information everywhere. So it's like, it's, it's such a short time. We have to grab so much. Mm -hmm. So it's like, yeah. Is there anything you wish that would be different? Yes, it could have been different if like there was more inclusion of the youth in the negotiations and the high level segments. Like there was this World Leaders Summit where it was very tricky for the observer organizations, youth observer organizations to like participate there. And yeah, the COVID also made the things a bit difficult for the organizers. So it's what could have been done differently, but it is what it is. Mm -hmm. Is there anything particular that you hope to see come out of COP? Yes. Um, I would really like the leaders and the uh, uh, negotiators to take actions now and not to set targets for like 40 to 50 years from now which and which makes the situation seem less severe and it's like it mm -hmm. makes it look like we have time to act but which we don't we need to mm -hmm. act urgently we need to act now perfect thank you so much yeah hello my name is Nila and I'm from Germany Berlin where I'm studying international forest ecosystem management and um, yeah here at the COP it's kind of impressive to see so many people at the same time um, striving to the same goals but on the other side it's happening 
simply too much. Like there's so many events you can visit, and um, I have the feeling that there's a huge consensus about what we're thriving for. But on the other hand, many people have different um, images how this will function, and we're talking much about theory. But in practical cases, it's not. It's not. Uh, I feel it's not effective enough. And also, there are many. Um, many people from the fossil fuel industry doing lobbyism like there are small fossil fuel badges like uh, UK representatives attending for example mm -hmm. or from the small islands uh, attending and that's that's kind of worrying but still it's impressive to see so many people thriving for the same goals and connecting and um, talking and like one guy yesterday told me it's it's nice to have so many perspective and puzzling together all, all of them to have a bigger picture mm. so what do you hope to see um, come out of COP? Uh, that's a hard question um, maybe more feasible goals which um, are not just empty words because international law mm -hmm. seems always really really um, un <laughs> unpredictable and it's not really enforceable mm -hmm. so um, maybe some more commitments to actions and yeah, that's my wish. Yeah. So what is this something that's been particularly disappointing, do you think, uh, watching at COP? Um. Yeah, like the exclusivity. Like, sure, I am in the blue zone. I have the privilege to be there. But um, I just have, as I said, this huge amount of side events which are happening mm -hmm. and uh, the pavilions and food and stuff. But actually going to the high-level segment events or the negotiation is not really possible mm -hmm. and um, because there's just so much people and so much NGOs who want to be there and also young people are uh, not really ex included like mm -hmm. I don't know anyone from the environmental sector from the um, like adult people <laughs> mm -hmm. as I am pretty young uh, which are really connecting with us like uh, we're mm -hmm. just walking around and trying to make our way yeah and is there anything that you think despite all of that you will want to take away from this experience um that you think you think oh this change maybe change your perspective or is there any lesson you learned or anything particular that you think you'll take away from from your time in glasgow at cop maybe to try to try to see as much um as much yeah, options as possible, like how we can go and how we can move in the in the climate actions, and um, also to see how how much energy is in the in the sector of people which are fighting for for climate justice and climate action. That that's really the inspiration. I I would love to take that with me. Okay, thank you so much. <laughs> okay, so can you introduce yourself? Who are you? What are you doing at COP twenty six in Glasgow? Yeah, my name is Libby Toby. I'm a, a graduate student at the University of Montana in the United States, um, and I am here as a, a representative of the International Forestry Students Association. So how are you finding COP? Um, how has the process been for you? I, I would say it's been, it's been eye-opening. Um, I mean, it's, it's been a combination of incredible events um, and yeah, a, a chance to sort of see a process that I'd, I'd never really been in on before. Um, and also quite quite overwhelming. There's an incredible mm. amount going on between, yeah, protests and the voices of so many different constituencies and groups. Um, mm. Yeah, it's, it's been 
it's been eye-opening <laughs> is there any key lesson or key learning that you think you've taken from this experience that's been really eye-opening to you in particular sure I think I think the biggest thing I've come away with is that, that what we <clears throat> what's going to make an impact going forward what has the biggest potential to make mm -hmm. a large impact as far as you know how we address climate change is collective action mm -hmm. um, I mean seeing seeing the amount of youth voices and seeing the amount of voices that are, are I think pressuring world leaders mm -hmm. and you know law and policymakers in kind of an unprecedented way is really encouraging mm -hmm. um, and I think there are a lot of frustrations around you know that the kind of lack of tangible outcomes that we've seen at COP so far and I, I think that collective action is encouraging and I think that's that's been one of the biggest takeaways for me. Mm -hmm. Has there been anything that you think could have been done differently or that you were disappointed in? I, I mean I think a lot of the frustrations are coming from you know you know targets that are being set and national commitments that are, that are being made that fall well short of mm -hmm. what the IPCC is mm -hmm. recommending um, and so that 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 is one of my biggest frustrations mm -hmm. um, is just that we know what needs to happen and at least to this point in the negotiations, mm -hmm. it's not happening. Yeah, definitely agree. Um, so what do you wish to see um, come out of COP26 as the week concludes? <sighs> I, I mean, it, 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 feels, it feels like sort of a, a, a dream, dream item to have you know, more aggressive targets set. Mm -hmm. And I, I think I'm skeptical <laughs> of whether or not that would happen. And I, mm -hmm. But I, I do think also that there... There, there are so many calls for finance that I think are not being addressed. Mm -hmm. Finance for yeah. um, adaptation of you know, developing nations, finance for loss and damage that are not being fulfilled. Um, and so I think to, to see you know, promises on finance from the developed world mm -hmm. in particular come through would be, I would love to see it. Yep, agree. That's what everyone. That's <laughs> what everyone. Let's let's keep our fingers crossed. I think we do need a little bit of a miracle, but you know, sometimes miracles happen. So happens. Fingers crossed. So. Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> Hi. Can you introduce yourself and tell us who you are and what are you doing at COP26? Hello, my name is Benjamin Navarro. I'm from Chile, and I'm representing the International Forestry Students Association as observer. Great, thank you. Um, how are you finding the COP so far? What are your first thoughts on arriving here? Um, how's it been for you? Okay, like all the other guys uh, say, maybe it like a little bit overwhelming. Mm -hmm. There is a lot of information, a lot of different uh, panels and workshops and the negotiations that is really difficult to follow because mm -hmm. there are really technical and a lot of statements but without really plans about it so it was really difficult to actually understand these things also I participated in the first week mm -hmm. with the world's leader summit mm -hmm. so we have a lot of these kind of statements from the politicians and no many uh, workshops or mm -hmm. information from these new methodologies or from new from, from these new approaches mm -hmm. to the to this problem. Mm -hmm. So yeah, I think all these different events and all these different uh, spaces to actually understand the climate change and mm -hmm. the systemic way, it was one of the most difficult things that mm -hmm. I need to understand in this event. Is there anything that's been particularly disappointing that you thought? 
Yeah, maybe the participation and the spaces for the observers mm -hmm. in the negotiations. And actually, the, the, the people or the workshops not talk about the things that are, are already happen in mm -hmm. the COP. They are actually only talk about nice knowledge, of course, mm -hmm. but not so deeply related with the conversations inside the negotiations. Mm -hmm. So I think that it's a really important thing because we can actually go to these different workshops from our homes or from different spaces, but to actually understand the negotiations, to actually understand what is the way to work uh, after the COP, mm -hmm. it's like really important and it's really difficult to find this kind of information in the COP. Mm. Um, is there been any key lesson or takeaway that you want to take from COP or that you have learned through COP? Yeah, I think there is a lot of content, a lot of knowledge, but the way that the people actually develop and give this information to the participants of the COP, it was maybe like inside the box because mm -hmm. you need to actually change the system and to change the system you need to change the way that you uh, give and develop this knowledge. So I really want to actually see some kind of different uh, ways to develop this knowledge uh, and to make more collaborative uh, spaces mm -hmm. and take the opportunity of all these different people from all these different approaches talk to each other and develop more uh, integral ways to actually work in the climate crisis. Mm. Um, actually, do you mind telling us a little bit about what the International Forestry Organization is and does, as particularly what you guys are planning to what are you experiencing in COP? Like, what are you trying to um, get the world and world leaders to do? I think that'd be really great to find out a little bit more about. Yeah, actually, one of the main things that we need to look at the COP uh, from the uh, from IFSA, it's related with the nature-based solutions mm -hmm. because there is maybe one of the most important topics related with IFSA, and we need to actually give more. because we need to work the forest but not like in a way that there is uh, there and give us some uh, kind of resources of something mm -hmm. uh, the forests are part of the or of a more complex system mm -hmm. related also with the people and mm -hmm. we need to integrate all these feelings and all this information to have a more holistic way to understand the, the work with the nature itself. So mm -hmm. I, I think this is one of the most important things that we need to develop uh, from it. Okay, perfect. Yeah. Thank you. Um, finally, is there anything particular you wish to see come out of COP as the week concludes? Yeah, I want to see a lot of hope uh, because we need all the people in this ship, in this fight. Mm -hmm. And I think a lot of people actually don't believe in this kind of processes and they have a lot of arguments to actually don't believe in these processes but we need to uh, take this message that this is not related with the negotiations it's related with the people who actually attend to the COP mm -hmm. and have nice conversations and actually try to fix uh, this crisis mm -hmm. and I think this message like related with all this knowledge around the COP, mm -hmm. it's the most important thing that we need to take of this experience. Okay, thank you very much. 
Okay, can you introduce yourself and tell us a little bit about what you're doing at COP26? Hey, my name is Johannes Herzog, I'm from Germany and I'm for IFSA, International Forestry Students Association, as an observer here for the second week of COP. So how are you finding your first few days at COP? It was quite overwhelming, a lot of um, stuff going on, a lot of people and you need to find your way and you need to really kind of try to focus on the things you want to see and learn. Mm. Is there anything particular that you wish would have been done a bit differently? Yeah, it was quite unorganized actually, like uh, the, the timetables were quite confusing so they could have done this kind of better and for example like um, get in touch with the use could be uh, a little bit better. I, I I feel like um, like they think it's yeah okay let's have some used people here but they don't really include us so mm -hmm. like they could give us a hand and say yeah this is how it goes and uh, we want to speak and this and this occasions with you and have like regular meetings with some of the used people mm -hmm. but it was like quite unorganized the use needed to like actively go there and say we wanted to uh, speak with you and they need to find time and date and mm -hmm. um, also room. But has there been any key learning experience that you found really interesting that you're going to take away from COP? Yeah, it's, um, it's always quite difficult to reach a consensus. Mm -hmm. But I think um, we, we need to step over ourselves, especially mm -hmm. the, the countries with have which have a huge responsibility, like mm -hmm. also a historic responsibility, like the big polluters. Mm -hmm. And um, yeah. Is there anything that you wish to see um, come out of COP as COP is starting to conclude at the end of this week? I wish that they like do the best they can and really reach a good consensus and um, try harder to be ambitious and speak about all the important topics and don't like um yeah reach really a good consensus okay well we all hope that so thank you very much <laughs> thank you um so yeah hello i'm montague jones um i'm a fourth year student at the university of st andrews studying chemistry i had a role with the university um, under the principal's office as a COP26 in student intern, where I was the project coordinator, coordinating a bunch of events in and around St. Andrews, um, collaborating with a bunch of societies, just really trying to get the student body to engage with the climate crisis, to learn about it. Um, and like from all ranges of level, whether they've um, been advocates and activists for years and years or whether with COP26 being in our backyard in Glasgow this is something that is quite new to them and so just kind of being very broad in this approach so that everyone kind of feels welcomed in these discussions that are a necessity um, in addressing this um, issue. So I suppose that's kind of a very brief uh, background about uh, me and um, with that internship, I was fortunate enough to be a delegate for the university um, the second week as our, the University of St. Andrews um, was an observer um, for the negotiations and the conference.
Yeah, I mean, for you, COP already started way before COP even yeah. started in Glasgow <laughs> with all of the events happening previously and just the preparation. Um, but yeah, no, I think it's really interesting also that uh, engagement aspect of people who are not necessarily at COP, but is something that's happening in Scotland to to get that, um, yeah, to get that experience out there and get people talking about it. So I really hope that's something that is, um, yeah, got got environmentalism into the minds and discussions of people all around. Um, but how was it arriving in Glasgow then for the actual COP with all of the preparation and the lead up to it and then suddenly arriving in and also you arrived in the second week. So that was the middle of the discussion. So what is what was your first impression when you first arrived? I mean, I was when I first arrived, like that first day, that Monday, I was just in awe of of everything like it seemed like every there's so many things going on in the blue zone but also around uh glasgow as well i mean you had the green zone but there's also like other branches um that I was fortunate uh, enough to attend as well um where they had like kind of hubs and like other discussions in glasgow to talk about like the environment and so, yeah, I was just kind of in awe and just amazed with the amount of people also um, that are so engaged with this crisis that we are facing. Um, I was a little disappointed with the amount of youth um, advocates that were in there. Um, not like they didn't have a choice. I'm sure if um, us kind of my our generation were it was able to attend and be observers to the negotiations in the blue zone i'm sure we'd have gotten thousands and thousands of representatives but unfortunately with the un kind of considering 35 year um year old and below to be youth there is a much more um kind of representation on the um, older scale and our generation seemed to kind of be left out which was ironic for some of the speeches, um, especially like Obama. I was um, talking to students who were able to attend that um, speaking event, and they're saying he was addressing our generation. Yet, out of what 300, 400 um, people that are there, only about 10% were um, the youth. And so it's like he's addressing us, but none of us are actually in that room um to listen to him and so i think i was a little disappointed with some like the representations um of these big governments not listening to everyone and i think that was kind of overall it's why we have the activists the protests um outside and throughout glasgow on friday on saturday um but other than that i was very amazed um with the insight uh, the knowledge that is in there um, in that blue zone, uh, I spent a lot of time in the pavilion, um, which are kind of m smaller meetings. There happened like where 10 to 15 people attended and you still had very recognizable um, speakers. But what I enjoyed most about that was, A, you felt more seen by the um, panelists. They, you could sit kind of within the first three rows and they would physically look at you as they're speaking. And so as a youth, you felt more seen in something that um, you just see majority of these 60 year old white males who, yes, in the future, I'll become one of them. Um, but that just talk about money is like something that is just there um, that they're able to throw around. 
And so I just found it very insightful and being able to ask some questions as well and kind of get to the nitty gritty stuff that they tend to be so vague about in their conferences, in the negotiations. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and no, I think I've heard it quite a bit around, obviously, it's quite known to be obviously more of an exclusive event in terms of the people that can attend, but then also even within the blue zone, um, I've been told that sometimes it seems a bit like there are still some barriers about who you can talk to and approach and where you can go. So um, even youth and young people that could go to COP, I think sometimes feel like, yeah, you can go and observe, but there's still that missing element of actually being able to like really talk to and participate at, at a level um, I don't know what you thought about that um, in the blue zone. Yeah, um, I mean, I was in the second week and that was where more of the negotiations happened in the kind of closed doors where we're not able mm-hmm. to listen in. And so you kind of felt like it's not what needs to be happening. Like in order to tackle this um, issue, we need to, there needs to be greater collaboration. There needs to be greater transparency between all these um, various groups, these different perspectives. It can't just be um, a bunch of, I mean, the rich countries deciding what happens to our fate. I mean, this is our future at stake. This is everyone's future at stake. Um, And so we all should have a place at the table in order to get this done. Mm -hmm. Um, And so it was kind of yeah it's just like it's cool experience but you just just wanted a little bit more um from them and so not going to this event i kind of knew that and so i try to focus more on kind of smaller the smaller the more community-based um kind of things in the um initiatives that are happening throughout the world um, I believe like we often focus on like major commitment governments make, ones that tend to be filled with empty promises um, in countries and corporations that they never act on. However, there are positive changes that are happening throughout the world, innovative actions that incorporate a just and meaningful transition. These like the actions that we must build upon. Uh, there are the collaborations that must be communicated to us as citizens of the world, the youth. There's no one solution to fix all. We must use various, the nature-based solutions. We must use innovative green uh, technologies. We must y- look to the ground workers who are tirelessly working to better the environment in within their own small local communities. We must also look to the indigenous nations who have coexisted with the planet far longer than the cathedrals in the UK have stood. And so there's so much insight and so much intellectual power within our communities that we just need to, we need to make sure that they are being listened to and that their voices are being heard at the negotiation table. We can't just let these massive oil um and natural gas corporations control everything with the money they have in their pockets mm-hmm. yeah and i mean obviously it's not everything has officially concluded yet but most of the discussions are pretty much drawing to an end so what would you yeah what, what do you think about this week and the outcome of cob um 
in general from what you've what we can see so far oh that's a it's a tough question. I mean, yeah, the negotiations seem like are basically coming to close. I was just reading article. Um, their oil, gas, like subsidi um, sub subsidies are still um, are still luckily in um, Paris agreements, like in the negotiations. Um, Saudi Arabia, Russia, they weren't able to um, take them out, which is what they wanted. They wanted to do, kind of really clean slate it. Um, but I mean, I think we can't look to the governments for solutions. Um, I mean, it's been 26 years, uh, 27 um, with a year in the lockdown, 27 years, 26 COP conferences where nothing much has been achieved um, in the real scheme of things. We're still on an upward trend of um, CO2 emissions, methane emissions. And so I think it's time to look more to local communities. Um, and I think we need to accept that this is a broken system mm -hmm. and that the youth need to, they, the youth need to be listened more. And I hate when I was in a conversation with someone at COP and they're talking about like, oh, the youth don't have experience. And I asked a simple question of what experience are you looking for? Because we all know there's a collective agreement that the system that we are in is broken. So if you're wanting the youth to get experience, all we're going to be getting experience in is a broken system. And how can you expect change to come about from people who have experienced that broken system? And all of a sudden, when they get that experience, it benefits them. And so what needs to be happening is someone needs to be brave enough and a world leader um, or any leader of um, any sorts needs to be brave enough to be um, to take that first step and say, no, we are in a bro uh, look at the problem for what it is, recognize that we are in a broken system and take that leap in breaking that um, system that we find ourselves um, in. No, I think that that's that's that is such an important message. So so thank you so much for sharing that because I think when we look at these negotiations, it can be really frustrating because it's something that's been going on for so long. And a lot of people were sort of saying, Oh, cop like we need this cop to be different, but at the same time we're still working within the same structure of the system. So there's only a limited extent to what this can be really different. And I think it's really time to question what did that chant that is being said in the street and system change not climate change and that i think also means questioning some of the ways that um the unfccc is working because if that's not bringing us the results that we need to drive down our global emissions then we start need to asking ourselves well maybe it's not directly the best route that we can take um and i think it is time to look to look beyond that and to look at how can we actually create systemic changes in our in our system um so i think yeah i think that's a key message to take away from cop that i think those negotiations can only go so far and we've seen that even in such a time as this where like there is a clear panic around we have to act and there's a lot of citizen pressure but even if if even at that time we don't see the most ambitious action that we need and the biggest change then i think it's time to to look beyond and to look at well how can we drive that change um 
yeah, from the bottom up, but also from the top down and find that sort of that way that we can create system change. Um, so yeah, it's all yeah. about kind of that happy medium um, of the bottom up and the top down um, yeah. of the two. Um, and also, like for me, like I thoroughly, I do believe that we'll reach um, net zero. We'll be probably carbon negative in the future. The question is whether we do it before the world becomes an uninhabitable place. It's um, I heard it was um, a speech basically building off of the burning house um, analogy, but taking it a step farther and basically saying, um, finding it so that everything, all the doors, all the windows are locked. So you're locked in the house with your family and you survive the fire. You use the tools that you have to put out the fire, but what you're left it with is a charred building, a black building that no one wants to live in, but you're now forced to live it, with it. And so, you're going to find the means to survive. It's not going to be great, but you're going to be able to survive. And that's kind of what I see is if we don't act, yes, I think that we'll get to net zero. Um, humanity will kind of survive um, kind of on the brink, but it just won't be the luxury that we experience now. We won't be able to go fishing. Um, in the oceans and the lakes. We won't be able to go hiking in the Cairngorms or skiing um, on the slopes. It'll just be kind of a world where the rich will kind of be able to fly where they want, but majority of us will be, it'll be really the 1% and the rest of the 99% will be kind of screwed. Um, and you'll see the science fiction kind of films, like that'll be kind of, reality almost it is feeling like a you get strange visions of dystopian futures nowadays I feel because it's really coming into place and it's not just talking about the future anymore like we are in a climate crisis and time is so so critical and I think um if anything like it's so important that we that we look at uniting action even beyond what let's say is can or cannot happen and like at the government uh, international level to to bring that change because I think if we are looking around like I think they had like there is a big shift around addressing climate change but it is coming from the people I think most of all it's coming from um, activists and people speaking about this and doing and creating change and even through organizations I think um, so yeah that's at least where I see sort of the hope uh, in the sense of people people coming together and really waking up to this. And I think that's something that we need to carry on definitely beyond COP um, to have these discussions because it's not just a discussion we should have during during this time, but it's something that I think should be definitely carried into the future to, to create that change. So yeah, thank you so much for sharing that. Um, yeah, some of your thoughts and that and inspiring experience, but also the lessons that you learned through COP. Um, uh, it was really great speaking to you, Monty. So thanks so much. Thank you for having me. Pleasure. Thank you so much for tuning in to Eco Activist Journeys. And I hope you enjoyed today's discussion that I had with young COP26 delegates. Um, I really um, enjoyed our conversations. I hope um, you learned a little bit more about 
how it was like for observers that were able to attend to it and also look at it I suppose through a critical lens of what is actually possible even as an observer what is not um, and yeah have a critical think and discussions with those around you around what you think if this climate regime and the conferences are actually something that should continue into the future if it's something that's productive because it brings a lot of exciting people together but also taking into account that it is not and we're not really seeing the results that we need to see in the world um, it's not lowering co2 emissions so what does that mean what does that tell us about the current regime what do we need to change about it is it something completely new is it just the setup of the current system that we need to change and um, what do you think i i really encourage you to have a think about that and have discussions about that and i really hope to continue those conversations in following episodes as well thank you so much for tuning in if you enjoyed this episode please do give ecoactivist journeys a like and a follow um, you can also find me on social media um the podcast is at ecoactivist journeys on instagram um, and then um, personally you can find me ecoactivist leah or on twitter as wyman leah so yeah thank you so much for tuning in and thanks to all the lovely people um, that i met and interviewed um, especially the ifsa people you guys made the second week of cop super special to meet people from around the world that are taking these issues forward is always great and I think this is just the start of the conversation I'd really love to have more conversations especially about forestry um, about climate change so um, if you as a listener enjoyed that as well let me know and I'll be sure to have another discussion interview with some of the people from the International Students Forestry Students Association and Without much further ado, I wish you a wonderful rest of your day, whether that's in the morning or the afternoon or the evening. I'm really, really happy that you chose to spend time to listen to this podcast and I hope that it gave you some food for thought. Take care and hope to see you again here soon.